actually. We're going to find something. Talked about grosser things. Eh, yeah, but not about each other. Mm. We have the parasocial image we have to maintain now. Do we, though? I just want to be, I want to be honest. You and I do. I want to be honest about my... Put a beep. I know. <laughs> <clears throat> I want to be honest about the fact that I love horses too much. <laughs> I don't know. I had to think of something that was just bizarre to start with. And you with. went straight to horse fucking. I didn't say fucking. You implied it heavily. I did not. I said I loved them too much. I could have married one. You don't know. There was a whole Jerry Springer episode of a man who married his horse. Good for him. Love is love. No, 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 no. You do not get to co-opt that for horse fucking. <laughs> that is that is not part of the LGBT plus family. LGBTQH. No. QHF. No. QHF. <laughs> that's that's not how that works. Is this what happens when Ruben's not here? He's the yeah, one that we, keeps us from going way too dark. Is it actually Ruben that keeps the show on track? <laughs> oh, the irony. <laughs> Ruben, when you're not there, they talk about fucking horses. What's going on? <laughs> Ruben's going to get like eight Facebook messages. <laughs> Ruben's going to pick up his phone and be like, huh, I didn't want any of these and put it back down. <laughs> uh, Don, we've got to talk before what? the next episode. <laughs> But uh, so in case you haven't realized and you didn't realize you clicked on this episode, um, welcome to Two Towns Over. I am Don. I'm Josh. And like you heard us say, Ruben is not with us. Uh, he is sick uh, with the sickness. We discussed this not in the, the midweek. Not the sickness. If you heard the midweek, we don't have to do this bit again. Yeah. Go listen to the midweek so I don't have to do this bit again. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because we record both episodes in the same day. No. There's a behind no, the scenes. No, our process. Thing. There's a behind-the-scenes thing you don't know. There may even be Our days. proprietary process. Yes. Get as much done in one day as possible so we <laughs> yes. have the rest of the week to chill. That's our process, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, So it's going to be a different vibe today. We're gonna Josh and I will do our best to um, bring you that high-quality content that you guys enjoy so yeah, much. Yeah, that's why this episode is titled, Don and Josh Do Their Best. <laughs> No, in case you haven't already realized, again, you didn't realize you clicked on this episode. Today, we're going to be talking about the fascinating, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The fascinating legend, I guess, although it's not a legend, of uh, spontaneous human combustion. Yeah. Yeah, this was one that Ruben specifically requested. I did it. And then it. got sick and then on got the day sick. where we have nothing to substitute for this exactly. episode. So Ruben doesn't even so, get to uh, be here for an episode that he wanted to do. Yeah, unfortunately. So sorry, everybody. But uh, we are going to get started as soon as Don. Well, I'm going to take a minute again to shout out our phenomenal anonymous donor. Uh, for now, make it anonymous. I don't know if he wants to... N- broadcast it okay yeah no that's so. fair that's fair we had an anonymous donor who gave us a very generous amount of money in interest of upgrading our equipment um so because apparently i'm too fucking quiet yeah everybody says don's too quiet so that was that was priority number one and the new mics help with that a lot um we're i did this on the midweek but not everybody listens to the midweek so um, oh, you should. What the fuck's wrong with yeah, you? Yeah. Help our algorithm. Yeah. I'm louder now. What do you think? 
<laughs> I can you can hear everything I say now. Um, part of it is just that Ruben isn't here to talk over you. This is true. <laughs> Um, uh, I did this in the midweek, but not everybody listens. So for the audio nerds out there, of course, we are now recording on, uh, sure MV seven X podcast microphones. They are nominal. I did a lot of research on them. I literally consulted a professional in regards to these microphones and they came highly recommended plus a lot of research. So hopefully we sound better significantly better and louder. Yeah. They're, they're worth like three times as much, four times as much as the microphones that we were using before. Uh, give Not or that take. the price point is always everything when yeah. it comes to audio equipment, but yeah. in this case, I think it is. Here's a little insight. I'm going to give you more background information. Oh, no. When we started this pod, actually... They'll know we're real people, Don. Uh, this was not the first podcast that Ruben and I started. We started another podcast called Talking Tangents, uh, which you got a little taste of last week. That's why it was called the Tangents Return. Yeah. Or not last week, two weeks ago. Um, and um, the episodes still exist. It still exists. It's yeah, you can go. Don and Ruben. It's yeah. Basically, chat. we just recorded ourselves talking. Sometimes we'd have a topic to begin with. Uh, sometimes we didn't. Uh, you guys are well aware of how well we stick to our topics. Yeah, especially when Ruben's involved. Um, <laughs> But uh, so that podcast was the barest of bones. Uh, Ruben would stone people with the amount of bare bones that we had back in those days. So the mics we used were the best mics I could find for the price that I could afford at that time. We're moving on up and uh, we have proper equipment, proper equipment right now. now. And it's very cool. Yes. And I got I felt so happy unboxing them today. Yeah. So we appreciate everything. We appreciate all of you. And uh, so we're going to get started with this episode because uh, mind you as well, uh, Patreon money. It's we still have not drawn any money for ourselves out no. of out of Patreon. Not nope. not so much as a dinner or a coffee. Everything right now is going into getting the things that I feel like every podcast should have, which is a proper audio setup and merch for the most dedicated among you. Though I will say the stripper pole and disco ball was a little over the top yeah so that was what all of the first six months of patreon went into was this which is amazing because we've only had patreon for three so the patreon that they know about oh talking about my only fans oh okay yes if you want to see pics of josh's hobbit's feet as much as the podcast does I love you hid your feet whenever I said that. <laughs> oh, no. I, 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 fu- I, I got hobbit feet. I My monkey toes, I grab onto the table with them and shit down here. There's more behind the scenes. I'm disgusting. Enjoy it. Yay. Okay, so let's get started. So spontaneous human combustion refers to uh, the death from a fire organ- uh, originating without a clear external source of ignition. In other words, the fire starts within the body of the victim. If you like anime, watch Fire Force. And if you don't uh, watch Fire Force anyway, <laughs> it's good. I knew it was how long we get seven minutes before our first anime reference. It's it's a really good anime. OK, uh, so this idea, <laughs> it's all about spontaneous human combustion. Oh, shoot. Except they don't just catch on fire. They turn into fire monsters. Mm. Yeah. It's a book, it reminds me of a book I read by Joe. I didn't read it. I got it, started to read it and life got in the way like it always does. Uh, called the fireman see this and, is the difference between don and i is i start talking <laughs> about a, a thing that i know about and i'm like yeah it's this really cool anime from japan and 
And then Don's like, oh, yeah, I read a book one time that had an interesting plot. That was <laughs> but no, this book, it was about it was kind of like because Joe Hill is Stephen King's son. Oh, cool. Uh, he just changed. He used his middle name. As so his, as to not yeah. ride off his father's coattails. And That's he wrote, cool. I he wrote a story that. called The Fireman. And the whole concept was basically kind of like if you could imagine The Stand. The book, The Stand, Stephen King's The Stand. Uh, see, I don't read books. I watch anime. Did you see the miniseries, The Stand? No. Do you know anything? About anything at all? No. Yes. Okay, The Stand was about... I know a, about anime and video games, Don. The Stand was about a genetically uh, altered uh, flu that escaped from a government facility and killed 99% of the population. And the main the main flux of the book, or crux of the book, is the people who survived basically restarting civilization. You had mm-hmm. some people who followed up. It was basically good and evil. Yeah. You had a, a group of people who followed a woman named Mother Abigail who represented good, and the other person was Randall Flagg, who was basically Satan. You, you said Rascal Flats? Ra- Randall Flagg. Damn. A but, whole population of the, the last bastion of humanity that just follows the guy who wrote Life as a Highway. He didn't write Life as a Highway. No? No, that, that was, that was a cover. Flats. They did a cover. It was Tom Cochran who wrote Life is a Highway. See, no, I don't know anything about anything. <sighs> oh, my God. Okay. Anyway, so the, the, the Fireman <laughs> book, uh, it was basically this um, fungus that started to... So a lot, okay, more like The Last of Us. Do you know The Last of Us? I don't have a PlayStation. You know the fucking game, though, I know don't the you? game, though, yes. Okay. I, I know more about it than I know about any Stephen King there book. There you go. So <laughs> it, was a, it was a fungus that caused people to slowly... St- Start. It was contagious, mm-hmm. and people would slowly start to um, their temperature would rise until they ex- burned to death. Neat. Yeah. So, getting back to the main story, uh, <laughs> after that tangent, I've I've got to do Ruben's job today. It's hard <laughs> on me, you know. So, uh, this idea and the term spontaneous human combustion were both first proposed in 1746 by Paul Raleigh, uh, who was a fellow of the Royal Society, which is similar to a Nobel Prize. Um, you know, similar to the Nobel Prize. Yeah. Okay. It was Nobel fr- Prize before the Nobel Prize was right. really a thing. Uh, in an article published in the Royal Society publication, Philosophical Transactions, uh, writing in the British Medical Journal in 1938, Go- uh, Coroner Gavin Thurston describes the phenomenon as having apparently attracted the attention not only of the medical profession, but of the layman 100 years ago, referring to a fictional account published in 1834 by the novelist Frederick Marriott. Uh, Philosophical Transaction is a Ghost Strokes cover band. (laughs) People messing with the canon of things. So in his 1995 book, Ablaze, and you have to say it like that. It has an exclamation exclamation point. point, Just like panic at at the the disco. disco. Um, (laughs) Larry E. Arnold, a director of Parascience International, wrote that there had been about 200 cited reports of spontaneous human combustion worldwide over a period of around 300 years. And uh, I I left this in here because I want to say it. Whether I say it wrong or not, I don't give a shit. Uh, the first mention of the subject was in, in the aforementioned philosophical transactions. The writings told the tale of Countess Cornelia Zangara Bandy who was an Italian noblewoman who became best known for her mysterious death. I feel like you probably pronounced it right. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I haven't got there yet. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> so according to the 19th, or 1745 issue by the correspondent Paul Raleigh, 
1731 study of the Veronese historian Giuseppe Bianchini. And here's where I left it in. I'm so excited. Paere sopra la cagione della morte della signora Contessa Cornelia Zangare ni bandi sesnate. Listeners, Don has lied to you because he clearly rehearsed that. <laughs> yes. Clearly. Of course, that's why I left it in. <laughs> what the fuck? You, especially considering I'm about to say that that means opinion on cause of death of Lady Contessa Cornelia Zangari. I could have just said that. Yes, where's the have. fucking fun in that? There's none. Exactly. <sighs> <laughs> so during her last dinner, the 66-year-old countess was, quote-unquote, dull and heavy. Now, some accounts report that the countess was a brandy drinker and that she used to sprinkle camphorated brandy on her body to relieve physical pain. Camphorated is like uh, Vicks Vaporub. Oh. Kind of like mixed in. Yeah, the yeah. stuff that you can put on your hand and then light on fire to throw napalm. Exactly. Yeah. But she did it. There was brandy involved in it because apparently they had that technology I, back in the 70s. They just put 17. booze in everything. I agree. Then, I think. Have you seen the marijuana um, tequila? I have heard of the marijuana tequila, and it sounds like it would be a really fun first two hours of your night. <laughs> And the rest of it and is just The rest horrible. of it would just be horrific. Not um, that you'd remember it. No. But it would be terrible. The maid went with her to her room, and the two spent over three hours chatting and praying. Now, the maid left her mistress already asleep. The next day, when she did not get up at the usual time, she went to wake her and found the remains of the countess. The room was full of soot. The body of the countess had been reduced to a pile of ashes that was little more than three foot three inches from the bed. Although her lower legs below the knees, three fingers, and the front of her skull were relatively intact. See, I don't think this is what you would call spontaneous. There was prep work to this woman burning alive. (laughs) No, like she had high alcohol content like on her body. Uh, yeah, what well, I got she from that? yeah she camphorated yeah she used camphorated brandy to treat her um, oh my goodness pains yes and we're talking about uh, just to confirm again the seventeen hundreds yes uh, seventeen yeah when everything was done by candlelight you know those things that have fire on them huh candles what are those. I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, now yeah. now I'm the one who doesn't know anything about anything. Don doesn't know <laughs> what a fucking candle is. Because uh, I've had electricity since I was born. I so, haven't. But here's where things get a little wonky. Is the bed and the rest of the furniture had not been afflict- affected by the fire, but were covered by a greasy and smelly layer. Well, I'm pretty sure that has to do with like the process of a human being burning alive. Oh. Yeah. More than anything else, you you leave fluids behind when you when your extremities burn. Well, yeah, cause, yeah. And the fact that the the bed and other stuff wasn't around her, I, as a total layman who again doesn't know anything about anything. <laughs> oh, you're not gonna let that go, are you? <laughs> no, never. <laughs> it's when you're burning something with an accelerant like that. It's going to burn up quick. So most of the the areas that she had it on her 
probably it burned up really quick and it really burned the shit out of her body underneath it just by sheer by the sheer heat of it but it probably didn't really she didn't fully catch fire mostly just all of the accelerant caught fire and the her burning to a crisp basically was just from the heat of the accelerant burning on top of her it won't really spread when you do that from what i understand with my experience in arson you just threw that out there (laughs) yeah i I hoped we would just gloss over it no Well, according to my experience, you know, when it came to burying bodies that were still kicking, I just, you know, I I came to realize. It's, well, you already have the shovel, so you just give them a quick smack. They're out for (laughs) another five to ten minutes before they start kicking again. So, on the floor, there was an oil lamp covered with ashes, but no oil. Uh, The way the sheets were found seemed to show that the Countess had risen at some point during the night. So, the full account, as written by Paul Raleigh, goes as follows. The Countess Cornelia Bandi, in the 62nd, which is incorrect, it was her 66th year, uh, of her age, was all day as well as she used to be, but at night was observed when at supper, dull and heavy, she retired, was put to bed, where she passed three hours and more in familiar discourses with her mate. By the way, this is how the dude wrote it in 17, you 17, 16 people. You fuckers need to get it it's together. With 17 and 16 year olds, man. They just no, with the no. most fanciful. <laughs> the 17 and 1600 people. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Their writing just leaves a lot to be desired. <laughs> yeah, uh, you tried to read the Constitution? <laughs> fucking yeah. ridiculous. And more in familiar discourses with her maid and in some prayers. At last falling asleep, the door was shut. In the morning, the maid, taking notice that her mistress did not awake at the usual hour, went into the bedchamber and called her but not being answered, doubting of some ill accident, opened the window and saw the corpse of her mistress in this deplorable condition. Four feet distance from the bed, there was a heap of ashes, two legs untouched from the foot to the knee, with their stockings on. Between them was the lady's head, whose brains, half the back part of the skull, and the whole chin were burnt to ashes, amongst which were found three fingers blackened, all the rest were was ashes. Three fingers blackened. Yes, is a call out at Zaxby's <laughs> with three fingers with blackened seasoning. So, so you would call out to the kitchen three fingers blackened. So I almost wish I still worked at Zaxby's just so I could have that association on a daily basis. Now, uh, all the rest were ashes, which had this particular quality that the left they left in the hand when taken up a greasy and stinking moisture. The air in the room also observed cumbered with soot floating in it. A small oil lamp on the floor was covered with ashes, but no oil in it. Two candles in candlesticks upon a table stood upright. The cotton was left in both, but the tallow was gone and vanished. I don't know. This sounds like murder. (laughs) The more, the more it goes on, the more it's like, Oh, somebody knows that she sleeps covered in flammable liquid. So they just touched her with fire. And that's why we're here. Yeah. (laughs) Somewhat of moisture was about the feet of the candlesticks. The bed received no damage. The blankets and sheets were only raised on one side. As when a person rises up from from it or goes in, the whole furniture, as well as the bed, was spread over with moist and ash-colored soot, which had penetrated into the chest of drawers, even to foul the linens. Nay, the soot was also gone into a neighboring kitchen. 
and hung on the walls, movables and utensils of it. From the pantry, a piece of bread covered with the soot and brown black was given to several dogs, all of which... Oh, refu- God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, what? Yeah, they, they gave a piece of the bread that was covered in soot to the dogs, all of which refused to eat it. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> in the room above it were more o- was more overtaken notice that from the lower part of the windows trickled down a greasy, loathsome, yellowish liquor. Than, That's people juice. Yeah, and thereabout they smelled like the, like a stink without, without knowing of what and saw the soot fly around. Holy crap. Yeah, that was I felt mouthful. like I have a stroke. <laughs> Man's <sighs> trying to be Shakespeare. Oh, I'm still not done. Fuck! Christ. It was remarkable that the floor of the chamber was so thick smeared with a gluish moisture that it could not be taken off and the stink spread more and more through the other chambers. Okay, that wasn't so bad. Okay, no, yeah, that part was easy. <sighs> okay, so the case of Cornelia Bandy is often described as possible spontaneous human combustion. Charles Dickens, in his preface to Bleak House, writes about the countess whom he misnames as Countess Cornelia de Baudi Cisnate with regard to the possibility of what is called spontaneous combustion. Now, the topic received coverage in the British Medical Journal in 1938. An article by L.A. Perry cited an 1823 published book, Medical Jurisprudence, which stated that... Oh, boy. More medical speak from the 1700s. No, no, this is 1800s now. Oh, We're in the oh so it's slightly no, less Shakespearean. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, 1823. Yeah, okay. But this is like a summarized version. It's not an actual quote. Uh, which stated that the commonalities among recorded cases of spontaneous human combustion included the following characteristics. One, the victims were all, are chronic alcoholics. Ah. Uh, two, they are usually elderly females. Hmm. Three, the body has not burned spontaneously, but some lighted substance has come into contact with it. Yep. Four, the hands and feet usually fall off. Five, the fire has caused very little damage to combustible things in contact with the body. I feel like that has to do with the accelerant thing. Mm-hmm. And six, the combustion of the body has left a residue of greasy and fetid ashes, very offensive in odor. Yeah, that's <clears throat> just, again, people juice. <laughs> I know about people juice. So alcoholism is a common theme. In oh, early, God. Yeah, you do know about people yeah. juice. I forgot. Uh, it's a common theme in early uh, SHC literary references. And that's where we're going to go now because it's easier to say SHC, spontaneous human combustion. I hope uh, I hope there's at least one person out there that's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why are they glossing over that? Don knows about people juice. What? <laughs> and we're just going to move on now. And yes. I'm not going to elaborate at uh-huh. all. Um. So, in part, because some Victorian-era physicians and writers believed spontaneous human combustion was the result of alcoholism. An extensive two-year research project involving 30 historical cases of alleged SHC was conducted in 1984 by science investigator Joe Nickel and forensic analyst John F. Fisher. Their lengthy two-part report was published in the Journal of the International Association as well as part of a book. Now, Nickel has written frequently on the subject. He's appeared in television documentaries, conducted additional research, and lectured in the New York State Academy of Fire Sciences at Montour Falls, New York, as a guest instructor. I always love hearing about people who have made their entire careers about things that aren't real. 
Yeah. Because that's what we're doing. Exactly. That's what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it just gives me hope. <laughs> so Nicholas Fisher's investigation, which looked at cases in the 18th, 19th, and 20th centuries, showed that the burned bodies were close to plausible sources for the ignition, either candles, lamps, fireplaces, and so on. Such sources were often omitted from published accounts of these incidents, presumably to deepen the aura of mystery surrounding an apparently spontaneous death. Now, the investigations also found that there was a correlation between alleged SHC deaths and the victim's intoxication or other forms of incapacitation, which could conceivably have caused them to be careless and unable to respond properly to the accident or to an accident. Uh, where the destruction of the body was not particularly extensive, a primary source of combustible fuel could possibly have been the victim's clothing or a, or a covering such as a blanket or comforter. Yeah, because it's... I'm going to incriminate myself again and say, I don't think it's that easy to get a human body to ignite. You can You can burn yourself, but to actually, like, ignite... A lot of times, like, if your hand catches on fire, it's because you were fucking with something that put something flammable on your hand. Right. We as human beings ourselves are not very flammable. Our hair is very flammable uh, for the most part. Like, that's actually about it. Like, our skin is just not that prone to catching fire on its own. Right. So, yeah, your clothes will catch on fire because they're made of real flammable shit. But your actual skin, while it will get horribly, horribly burned, you're probably not actually going to, you yourself, ignite. Right. So, however, where the destruction was extensive, additional fuel sources were involved, such as chair stuffing, floor coverings, the flooring itself, and the like. Now, the investigators described how such materials uh, helped to retain melted fat, which caused more of the body to be burned and destroyed. See, you- again, melted not yeah yeah well i mean we if you think about it they used whale oil back in the 1800s yeah whale oil was just fat that was melted down yeah yeah so i mean we are basically we are flammable you just got to get to that point right exactly it's you you have to be liquid before you're (laughs) before you're that flammable uh the investigators describe how i read that uh which caused more of the body to be burned and destroyed yielding still more liquefied fat in a cyclic process known as the wick effect or the candle effect. Now, according to Nickel and Fisher's investigation, nearby objects often remained undamaged because fire tends to burn upward, but burns laterally with some difficulty. Right. So the fires in question are relatively small, achieving considerable destruction by the wick effect, and relatively nearby objects may not be close enough to catch fire themselves, uh, much as one can closely approach a modest campfire without burning. As with the other mysteries, Nickel and Fisher caution against single simplistic explanation for all unusual burning deaths. Sorry, I love modest campfire. <laughs> so I'm just like picturing a, a campfire, like with eyes and a mouth. That's like, oh, come on, guys. I'm not that hot. <laughs> come on. But rather urged investigating on an individual basis. So neurologist Stephen Novella. Yes, his name was Novella has said that skepticism about spontaneous human combustion is now bleeding over into becoming popular skepticism about spontaneous combustion. That makes absolutely no fucking sense. No, it doesn't. And he he's a neurologist. Yeah. Skepticism about spontaneous <laughs> I, I, human combustion is now bleeding over 
into becoming oh it's becoming popular skepticism ah, about spontaneous okay, combustion okay that makes more sense if it's qualifying it yes. as popular skepticism <laughs> yeah okay so a 2002 study I'll give you that doctor a 2002 study by Angie M Christensen on the of the University of Tennessee cremated both healthy and osteoporotic samples o- osteoporosis yeah Okay. Um, samples of human bone and compared the resulting color changes in fragmentation. The study found the osteoporotic bone samples consistently displayed more discoloration and a greater degree of fragmentation than healthy ones. The same study found that when human tissue is burned, the resulting flame produced a small amount of heat, indicating that fire is unlikely to spread from burning tissue. Okay, yeah, so that's what I thought, Yeah. basically. So the scientific consensus is that incidents which might appear as spontaneous combustion did, in fact, have an external source of ignition. And that spontaneous human combustion without an external ignition source is extremely implausible. Pseudoscientific hypotheses uh, have been presented... My favorite kind of hypothesis. (laughs) (laughs) uh, ...have been presented which attempt to explain how SHC might occur without an external flame source. Benjamin Radford, science writer and deputy editor of the science magazine Skeptical Inquirer, cast doubts on the plausibility of spontaneous human combustion, stating if SHC is a real phenomenon and not the result of an elderly or infirm person being too close to a flame source, why doesn't it happen more often? Right. There are 5 billion people in the world today, and this was in 1987, and yet Good we Lord. And uh, yet, this oh, sorry, wait, wait, wait. This was in what year? Eighty seven. Ooh, yeah, maybe we need to chill. What with the running? We have, we have eight billion now. Yeah, yeah, we need to calm down with all that shit. You know. That's maybe get a hobby, you know? People just bored fucking to fucking ourselves to mm-hmm. like double the population. Yeah. Uh and yet we don't see reports of people bursting into flames while walking down the street attending football games, or sipping a coffee at a local Starbucks. If I was going to go, that's how I'd want to go. Just blow up? Yeah, just be going about my regular daily business, and all of a sudden, like, just, you know, at Amelia Island Coffee downtown, enjoying a wonderful, wonderful white mocha. They're not going to give you free stuff, so just quit trying. Really wish they would. Actually, you know what? <laughs> Fuck it. I don't care because they took their white mocha off their menu and now I have to go to Fantastic Fudge for it. So mm. maybe they'll pay me. <laughs> and the way this guy says it, I'm sorry. It's got so much, well, actually energy. Oh, good. I just No, I just said it, but it's just, you could hear, I'm going to read it as if in my head. Uh, if SHC was a real phenomenon and not the result of an elderly or infirm person being too close to a flame source, uh, why doesn't it happen more often? I mean, there are 5 billion people in the world today, and yet we don't see reports of people bursting into flames while walking down the street or attending football games or <laughs> sipping a coffee at Starbucks. What you guys don't get at home is the visual to this is the visual of Don rolling his eyes and like cocking his head back and forth like all snitty about yeah. it. Picture a non funny Adam Conover. Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, except like sassier. Yeah. There yeah, you there's go. a lot of sass in those head <laughs> movements. So almost all maybe, po- maybe one day we'll do a live recording. <laughs> This would have been the right time because the reason we don't do live recordings is Ruben. 
Ah, I don't want my face on camera either. <laughs> I've got a face for radio, and I know it. So almost all postulated cases of SHC involve people with low mobility due to advanced age or obesity, along with poor health. Now, victims show a high likelihood of having died in their sleep or of having been unable to move once they had caught fire. Cigarettes are often seen as the source of fire as the improper disposal of smoking materials causes uh, one in every four fire deaths in the United States. Uh, Natural causes such as heart attacks may lead the victim to the victim dying, subsequently dropping the cigarette, which after a period of smoldering can ignite the victim's clothes. Bet. Yeah, the, the last time I visited my dad, he, you know, he was he was gone. I mean, it was yeah. just, but he, he would still say, can I have a cigarette? And we'd give him a cigarette, light the cigarette, he'd take it out of his mouth and just sit there and you could just watch the ash grow. Yeah. Because he had forgotten he had the cigarette and we would have to say, flick your ashes, dad. And he'd flick it and take another puff. And I, I had to do that when my mom smoked cigarettes all the time. I'd be like, mom, ask your cigarette. <laughs> and she was fine. Right. Yeah, she was perfectly fine. She just forgot to ask her cigarette. And for some reason, I it bothered me. I'm like, Mom, ask your cigarette. <laughs> She's like, oh, thanks. <laughs> ask your cigarette. So the wick effect hypothesis suggests that a small external flame source, such as a burning cigarette, charged the clothing of the victim at the location, or at a location, splitting the skin and releasing subcutaneous fat, which is in turn oh. absorbed into the burned clothing, acting as a wick. Now is this is this the pseudoscience or is this no this the, is actual? I yeah. was going to say because this this makes sense. Yeah. If this was pseudoscience, then I would have been a little bit pissed <laughs> off because it would have worked on me just for a second. So the combustion, um, <clears throat> this combustion can continue for as long as the fuel is available. This hypothesis has been successfully tested with pig tissue and is consistent with evidence recovered from cases of human combustion. The human body typically has enough stored energy and fat and other chemical stores to fully combust the body. Even lean people have several pounds of fat in their tissues. Now, this fat, once heated by the burning clothing, wicks into the clothing much as candle wax is drawn into a lit candle wick, providing the fuel needed to keep the wick burning. Now, the protein in the body also burns but provides less energy than fat, with the water in the body being the main impediment to combustion. However, slow combustion, lasting hours, gives the water time to evaporate slowly. In an enclosed area, such as a house, the moisture will recondense nearby, possibly on the windows. Feet don't typically burn because they often have the least fat. So that's why the feet and hands fall off. Right. Interesting. Um, okay, this is actually way more interesting <laughs> scientific information than I thought we were going to get from spontaneous human combustion. Uh, hands also have little fat, but may burn if resting on the abdomen, which supplies all of the necessary fat or combustion. Okay. So scalding can cause burn-like injuries, sometimes leading to death without setting fire to clothing. Scalds although, are the most common type of burn. Right. Although not applicable in cases where the body is charred and burnt, this has been suggested as a cause in at least one claimed SHC-like event. Now, Brian J. Ford, who is a researcher, has suggested that ketosis, uh, possibly caused by alcoholism or low-carb dieting. So if you're on the keto diet, you're right. at a higher risk of exactly. spontaneous Or if you're diabetic, combustion. because diabetic can, diabetes can cause ketosis as well. Right. Uh, just not the good kind of ketosis. Yeah, no. But... Uh, um, but yeah, so lo- uh, so possibly caused by alcoholism or low-carb dieting produces acetone, which is highly flammable and could therefore lead to apparently spontaneous combustion. Interesting. So, yeah. yeah, so to eat something other than meat. <laughs> and yeah, 
Uh, I've thought about it doing keto. Yeah. But just it's, you're not supposed to unless it's prescribed to you. Like, right. That's the whole thing about keto. It's it's not supposed to be a trendy, you know, right. everyone try this diet. Is it supposed to be something that's prescribed yeah. by a doctor? Right. I mean, I I have to do something. Never mind. Um, so SHC can be confused with self-immolation uh, as a form of suicide. In the West, self-immolation accounts for one percent of suicides. While I rat- bet that's supposed to be like the worst way to go. Yeah. But sometimes you end up as a uh, Rage Against the Machine album cover. So, you know, pros and cons. I guess. <laughs> You've seen the one I'm talking about, right? Yeah, the, yeah. The that was the one, one with um, the monk. The monk. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They actually, I couldn't believe they showed us that image in school. I couldn't either. Let uh, alone that they were allowed to use it for a Rage Against the Machine album <laughs> cover. Um, so while Radford claims in developing countries, the figure, uh, for self-immolation could be as high as 40%. Sometimes there are reasonable explanations for the death, but proponents ignore official autopsies and contradictory evidence in favor of anecdotal accounts and personal testimonies. Yeah. People love those. Larry E. Arnold in his 1990 folk, a blaze proposed a pseudoscientific <laughs> new subatomic particle, which he called Pyrotron. Ooh. Yeah. Arnold also. That's re- a really cool name. That's a new transformer. <laughs> there you go. I am Pyrotron. I turn into uh, a lighter. <laughs> <laughs> just just a regular, just like a, what, one of the cheap, like 99 cent yeah. Bix, the ones that you can see through. <laughs> um, Where am I? Uh, Arnold also wrote that the flammability of a human body could be increased by certain circumstances, like increased alcohol in the blood. Uh, I don't know why I read it that way. Uh, he further proposed the extreme stress could be triggered by the uh, starts. Oh, God, I'm sorry. He further proposed that extreme stress could be the trigger that starts many combustions. The process may use no external oxygen to spread throughout the body since it may not be, quote unquote, an oxidation reduction reaction. However, no reaction mechanism has been proposed. Researcher Joe Nick. Nickel has criticized Arnold's hypothesis as based on selective evidence and argument from ignorance. Kind of like Flat Earth. Yes. In his 1976 book, Fire from Heaven, UK writer Michael Harrison suggests that SHC is connected to poltergeist activity. Ooh. Yeah, here we, we go. We get all sorts of callbacks. Yeah, we are. Uh, because, he argues, the force which activates the poltergeist originates in and is supplied by a human being. Within the concluding summary, Harrison writes, SHC, fatal or non-fatal, belongs to the extensive range of poltergeist phenomena. John Abramson suggests that ball lightning could account for spontaneous human combustion, stating that, yeah, stating that this is circumstantial only, uh, that this is circumstantial only, but the charring of human limbs seen in a number of ball lightning cases are very suggestive that this mechanism may also have occurred where people have had limbs combusted, said Abramson. So that takes us out of the learning uh, portion of the show. And we're just going to finish up with uh, some um, stories, like some actual stories of spontaneous human combustion or supposed. Supposed, yeah. Yeah. Alleged. Yeah, so here's the first one. Late at night on Christmas Eve, 1885, in the small farming town of Seneca, Illinois, a woman named Matilda Rooney burst into flames. She was alone in her kitchen when it happened. 
The fire quickly incinerated her entire body except her feet. The incident also claimed the life of her husband, Patrick, who, had, who was found suffocated from the fumes in another room of the house. The tragedy left investigators baffled. There was no reason to suspect foul play. The Roonies had been relaxing and drinking whiskey that evening. Of course they had. Their last names are the Roonies. (laughs) A farmhand who had spent a few hours with him hadn't noticed anything out of the ordinary. Furthermore, no source of ignition could be found for the blaze. Although the flames had been intense enough to reduce Matilda Rooney to ashes and a few fragments of bone, they had not spread to the rest of the room. Mm. The fire seemed to have started in her body and stayed confined to her body. It appeared that the Roonies had fallen victim to the rare and enigmatic phenomenon, enigmatic phenomenon of spontaneous human combustion. Are we going to get to the part where this was foul play? No. No? Oh. No, that's the end of that story. It's just, oh, that's, um, yeah. that's the whole story? That's the whole story. Shit, it's real. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, the next story actually comes from International Business Times. Uh, a mar- really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, a Marudius born woman. Who apparently burst Mar- into flames. Marudius? Marudius. It's a German thing. Oh, okay. Burst into flames due to spontaneous human combustion as she sat on a park bench in Germany has died. A horrified passerby. Oh, I've heard of this one. Yeah. This is one of the most popular stories mm-hmm. of spontaneous human combustion. A horrified passerby attempted to smother the flames with his jacket. The woman, thought to be in her 40s, was rushed to a local hospital by air ambulance to uh, Lubeck with severe burns but could not be saved. According to local media, the woman didn't make a sound when she was engulfed in flames, and there is speculation that she could have either committed suicide or even been attacked. One German website reported two men were seen running away from the playground shortly before the incident took place, though there is no confirmation of this. However, Flinsburg public prosecutor Otto Gosch, <laughs> or Gosch. Gosch. Oh, it's probably Gosch. Gosch, probably. Where is this one? Germany. Ger- okay, yeah, 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 I thought so. Uh, was quick to dispel local speculation that the woman had been attacked. We have no evidence that points to a third-party fault. I'm sorry. We have no evidence that points to a third-party fault. <laughs> I was going to say, I would have known for sure this was Germany if you were reading everything in a German accent, I know, Don. but I'll, just, I'll read the quotes. Uh <laughs> Uh, said Gosh, appearing to dismiss a theory that the woman was set on fire to disguise stab wounds. Now, oh. although born in Marudius, uh, the woman was well known locally and her death has caused shock in the small community of 80,000 people, 100 miles north of Hamburg. <laughs> small community? Yeah. 80,000? Shit. Prosecutor Ulreich Stallman Liebelt, or Liebelt. Liebelt. Say, hold on. Oh, yeah. We got an emergency text from Ruben during the recording of the episode that says, read one piece. There you go. So there's Ruben's input for this episode. But yeah, so that Hamburg pro- or that prosecutor, I'm not going to repeat his name, said, the victim has lived in Flinsberg for a long time and has family here. Suicide has not been ruled out as one explanation. Uh, investigators will attempt to discover how the victim came to be on fire despite there being no obvious cause. A controversial phenomenon known as spontaneous human combustion. Controversial is yeah. what we're calling it now. Some 200 people through history are said to have burst into flames without any external cause, usually being reduced to ashes. Scientists have speculated that the human body may be capable of becoming like an inside-out candle, 
their clothing acting as a wick, their body fat acting as the wax. Oh, that's pretty fucking metal. Yeah. That's so metal. An inside out <laughs> candle. Yeah. I love that. So uh, this came from the BBC. Uh, BBC.com posted September 23rd, 2011. Jesus Christ. So, yeah. yeah. We're getting this shit as recently as yeah. Holy fuck, that was a long time ago. Yes, it was. Eleven years ago. I graduated high school almost ten years ago. Yeah, motherfucker, my thirty-year uh, reunion is next year. Yeah, my ten is oh. Uh huh. So a man who was let burned. Me, let me feel. Let me feel old for a second too. <laughs> No, because if I do that, that makes me feel even more old. If you guys are like, oh, my God, I'm 30. And I'm like, I'm 40 fucking seven. Yeah, but when you were our age, did you not also go, holy fuck, I'm 30? I didn't hang out with 40 year olds. Fair, I guess. <laughs> I used to be the young one. Yeah, don't. <laughs> uh, we cannot summon Bill Burnham at this moment. Mr. Burnham. Anyways. Uh, so a man who burned to death in his home died as a result of a spontaneous combustion, an Irish coroner has ruled. West Galway coroner Dr. Syrian McLaughlin said it was the first time in 25 years of investigating deaths that he has recorded such a verdict. Uh, Michael Faraday, I guess, F-A-H-E-R-T-Y, if only we had someone who was Irish who could be here right now and tell us how to pronounce this name. <laughs> Don't put her on the spot. I know. Uh, Michael Faraday, 76, died at his home in Galway on December 22, 2010. Deaths attributed by some spontaneous combustion occur when a living human body is burned without an apparent external source of ignition. If you people don't know what spontaneous human combustion is by the end of this episode, I will come to your house and beat you. Because <laughs> every article that I've read has said what it is yeah every single yes. one has to reiterate what exactly hu spontaneous human combustion is so typically police or fire investigators find burned corpses but no burned furniture an inquest in galway on thursday heard how investigators have been baffled as to the cause of mr faraday's death at his home at clareview park ballybane uh, Ballymane? Ballybane. B-A-L-O-Y-B-A-N-E. The bane of the Ballys. Yeah. Forensic experts found that a fire in the fireplace of the sitting room where the badly burnt body was found. Wow, that was a lot of alliteration. Uh, had not <laughs> been the cause of the blaze that killed Mr. Faraday. The court was told that no trace of an accelerant had been found and that there had been nothing to suggest foul play. The court heard Mr. Faraday had been found lying on his back with his head closest to an open fireplace. Well, like <laughs> I said earlier, your hair is the most flammable part of you. Uh, the fire had been confined to the sitting room. The only damage was to the body, which was totally burnt. The ceiling above him and the floor underneath him. Uh, Dr. McLaughlin said he had consulted medical textbooks and carried out other research in an attempt to find an explanation. He said Professor Bernard Knight, in his book on forensic pathology, had written about spontaneous combustion and noted that such reported cases were almost always near an open fireplace or chimney. Yeah. This it's fire. Not spontaneous. <laughs> uh, oh, no, it's Irish. I can't do Irish. This fire was thoroughly investigated, and I'm left with the conclusion that it fits into this category of spontaneous human combustion, for which there is no adequate explanation, he said. Yeah, it was 
was pretty good. All right, thank you. I was so scared I was going to go, oh, is that to me? Lucky charms. <laughs> uh, retired professor of pathology. Oh, you did. I know. I just did. <laughs> uh, retired professor of pathology Mike Green said he had examined one suspected case in his career. He said that he would not use the term spontaneous combustion as there had, had to be some source of ignition, possibly a lit match or cigarette. There is a source of ignition somewhere, he said, but because the body is so badly destroyed, the sources can't be found. He said the circumstances in the Galway case were very similar to other possible cases. This is the picture which is described time and time again, he said. Even the most experienced rescue worker or forensic artist or scientist, forensic artist. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Someone who just draws crime scenes just like as a hobby. Or uses crime scenes as art. Ooh. Yeah. That's basically just what set designers for Dexter did. Yeah. And yeah. basically seven. The movie Seven. Yeah. That was all, yeah. So, yeah, it's a real thing. No, you you're go. right. You're yeah. right. So, forensic scientists uh, take a sharp intake of breath uh, when they come across the scene, he said. Mr. Green said he doubted explanations centered on divine intervention. Uh, I think if the heavens were striking in cases of spontaneous combustion, then there would be a lot more cases. I yeah. go for the practical, the mundane explanation, he said. Occam's uh, razor. This next story came from Friar, Fire Brigade Commander John Stacy, interviewed by Larry Arnold and quoted in his book, A Blaze! Which is apparently our main source for today's episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, early in the morning of thir- September 13th, 1967, some people, walking to, some people walking to North, I'm sorry, to work in Lambeth, South London, noticed a bright light inside a derelict house on 49 Auckland Street. At 5.19 a.m., one of them telephoned the emergency services. At 5.24, the Lambeth Fire Brigade arrived with Brigade Commander John Stacy. The crew entered the building and discovered the bright light was the burning body of a local alcoholic named Robert Bailey, who had sought shelter in the abandoned house overnight. Strangely, though, neither the fabric of the house itself nor the internal fittings were damaged. The only thing on fire was Bailey himself. When we entered the building, said Stacy, he was lying on the bottom of the stairs, half turned onto his left side, and his knees were drawn up as though he was trying to bend the pain. F- yeah, trying to bend the pain from his stomach. Stacy said there was about a. F- ah, that's visceral. Yeah, it's when you see someone who's curled up like that. Yeah, that's a that's a very like visceral. I don't even want to say human response. That's just a, a response that all living things have to like extreme pain is that curl. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Uh, Stacy said there was about a four inch slit in his stomach and the flame was emanating from that four inch slit like a blowtorch. It was a blue flame. Rice. Yeah. Thinking the man might possibly still be alive, Stacy and his men emptied several fire extinguishers over the body. Holy shit. Putting out the flame, but with difficulty. You know how hot a flame has to be to burn blue, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something like over a thousand degrees, I yeah. think. As a matter of fact, let me consult the rectangle. The flame was actually coming from the body itself, said Stacy. Uh, he was burning literally from the inside out, and it was definitely under pressure. And it was impinging on the impinging on the timber flooring below the body. I underestimated. Has to be twenty six hundred degrees Damn. to turn blue. Um, holy shit! Yeah, 
It was impinging on the timber flooring below the body, so much so that the heat from the flame was charred into the woodwork. Oh, also, um, it's because of gases that, that it can sense. get to that heat. So if it was from his stomach, yeah, that man had the worst case of gas. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. in literally history, I guess. <laughs> He was a, either that or he was a flaming asshole. Ba-dum-ts. Yeah. Nice. So um, one especially bizarre feature of the case was that Bailey, while still alive and apparently convulsed in agony, had bitten deeply into the solid mahogany newel post of the stairs. What the fuck? Yeah. His body remained with his teeth locked into the wood and had to be pried open by the fireman. Bailey's clothing was undamaged except for the area of his abdomen. The area around him was largely undamaged except for the wooden planking immediately under his abdomen where a hole had been burnt and custom combustible material only inches away was unburnt. An inquest sat under coroner Gavin Thurston, who initially wished to list the death as asphyxia, as, as asphyxia due to inhalation of fire fumes. However, a second hearing found that Bailey's death was due to an unknown cause. That's that one's fucking intense. Yeah, just biting into mahogany so hard yeah. that they had to pry your mouth open to get you. I mean, that's that's partly like the rigor mortis. Well, no, because they they thought. Well, I don't know. They he said it he takes was, a while for rigor mortis to set in. Yeah, but they don't know how long he'd been burning. Yeah, they thought he was still alive, but apparently he was not. Right. So if it was recent enough that. He was still alive, or they thought he was still alive. Yeah. If he's still burning, then it hasn't been long enough for rigor mortis yeah. to set in. Plus, rigor mortis happens when the body reaches a certain temperature. If your body's on fire, yeah, you may not reach that temperature just yet. Right. You may still be, you know, rare. Ooh, man just fucking lockjawed <laughs> to the fucking table leg. Uh, subsequent investigation by fire and police disclosed no source of ignition. The mains supply of gas and electricity have been cut off in the house and no matches were found. Even in the unfortunate Bailey, if the unfortunate Bailey had fallen asleep and dropped a cigarette on himself, the kind of burning seen at first hand and extinguished by the firemen on the scene cannot be accounted for by the wick effect. It was a rapid acute burning episode. Highly localized in the victim's abdomen, producing a flame like a blowtorch that an experienced professional firefighter found difficult to extinguish immediately. Importantly, too, the firemen were on the scene within five minutes of being called, and the body they found had no fire damage apart from the small area in the abdomen, showing that it had only recently begun to burn. The flame was a bright blue flame, bright enough to attract the attention of passersby in the street. God. This, too, is not characteristic of a wick effect fire. Yeah, no, it's a gas fire. That's the thing. That's what that's what makes it turn blue is the gas. Yeah, like propane. A wick will not burn hot enough. Right. That's this is a wild one. (laughs) And we don't have an official explanation for this, do we? No. Um. Here's another story from a blaze. Uh, in September of 1982, a mentally handicapped London woman, uh, Jeannie Saffin, age 61, burst into flames while sitting on a wooden Windsor chair in the kitchen of her home in Edmonton. Her father, who, had, who was seated at a nearby table, said he saw a flash of light out of the corner of his eye and turned to Jeannie to ask if she had seen it. 
He was astonished to find that she was enveloped in flames, mainly around her face and hands. Mr. Saffin said Jeannie did not cry or move, but merely sat there with her hands in her lap. He pulled her over to the sink, starting trying to douse the flames with water, and called to his son-in-law, Donald Carroll. The younger man ran into the kitchen to see Jeannie standing with flames roaring from her face and abdomen. The two men managed to douse the flames with pans of water and call the emergency services. That's exactly what the scenes look like in Fire Force when somebody spontaneously combusts. According to the ambulance men who took Jeannie to hospital, the kitchen itself was undamaged by smoke or flame and her clothing was undamaged except for a part of her red nylon cardigan, which had melted. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Both so Don- she survived? Uh, I think so. Hold on. We'll get there. Unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, no, she died. Uh, okay. Both Donald Carroll, the son-in-law, and Mr. Saffin, who was a World War I veteran, spoke the flames coming from Jeannie as making a roaring noise. Jeannie appeared to be conscious and aware in hospital, but did not speak. Uh, the third-degree burns on her body covered only the parts of her that had been unclothed. Her face and hands, apart from her abdomen, where she had held her hands clasped while sitting. She lapsed into a coma and died after eight days. Yeah, that's probably for the best because you're living with lifelong chronic pain yeah. after nylon gets melted into you. Mm-hmm. That's another one of those things that I literally cannot even imagine. Imagine this. When I was growing up, parachute pants were big. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I actually had a pair. I do kind of like parachute pants. <laughs> I'm not talking about like the MC Hammer. No, I know. The ones that had all the zippers up and down. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. And they were made out of nylon. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine those melting on you? No, I could not. Yeah. I do not want to. Nylon underwear. Um, perhaps oh, the most. Fuck. <laughs> perhaps. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yes. Two weeks in a row. I see how far I can push Josh to the edge. Uh, perhaps you did it with weird sex stuff the first time, and now you're doing it with the thought of burning alive. Thanks. Yes, you're welcome. You're really hitting both ends of the spectrum here. Uh, perhaps the most important fact that the eyewitness testimony provides is that the burning episodes uh, in the burning episode in the kitchen lasted at most a minute or two before the flames were doused, rather than hours. An inquest was held into Miss Saffin's death, uh, and police inqui- inquiries were ordered by the coroner. Dr. J. Burton, to determine how she caught fire. The policeman who got conducted the inquiry reported to the coroner's court that no cause could be found. He told Mrs. Saffin's relatives that he believed her to be a victim of spontaneous human combustion. I miss Reuben because Reuben would come up with a reason. Mm-hmm. It would make a whole lot of sense, and I would believe yeah. him. And just because he's not here, we have to fuck off. Uh, in his evidence to the inquest Mr. Saffin's brother-in-law Donald Carroll said that she had died as a result of SHC the flames were coming from her mouth like a dragon and they were making a roaring noise he told the coroner (laughs) however the coroner reached very sad yes very rad yeah Uh, however the coroner reached a verdict of misadventure which apparently is something you can put on a death certificate that's, Sounds, what I, that's what I yeah. want on mine. That's I died like of misadventure. You, that's how you lost your D&D character. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to the family coroner, Dr. Burton uh, said, I sympathize with you, but I cannot put down SHC because there is no such thing. I will have to put down misadventure or open verdict. Wow. Um, just a couple more stories. We're almost done. Quit looking at me like that. Oh, no. I'm not looking at you any <laughs> sort of type of way. Uh-huh. 
So the case I'm vibing to these wild, horrific stories of people burning alive. I'm all good. Here's another story from a blaze. Uh, the case of Helen Conway was referred to in the BBC TV film Spontaneous Human Combustion, but only as evidence rebutting the reality of such cases. The unrecognizably charred remains of Mrs. Conway was discovered in her bedroom on 8, November 8, 1964, in Upper Darby Township, Pennsylvania. Her case has been widely debated as possibly due to spontaneous human combustion, a conclusion hotly denied by skeptics. At the beginning of the film, the fire chief who had attended the scene, Paul Haggerty, spoke on camera telling how he believed it must have been a case of SHC. At the end of the film, however, the narrator said similarly in the Conway case, the cause of the fire is known. Shortly before Mrs. Conway's death, her granddaughter bought her a new book of matches or brought her a new book of matches. Mrs. Conway is acknowledged to have been a careless smoker whose room contained evidence of many cigarette burns. Thus, the Conway case was dismissed without further comment. What the filmmakers neglected to say, however, is that the time that elapsed between the granddaughter handing Mrs. Conway the matches and the firemen arriving to discover her completely consumed remains was at most about 20 minutes and could have been as little as six. This information comes from Robert Meslin, a volunteer fireman uh, in Upper Darby Township at the time of the fire, and one of the first on the scene. Uh, it was Meslin yeah, who took the famous photographs of Mrs. Conway charred remains. That's If you Google H- HSC, uh-huh. you will all one of the first pictures you see will be just like a chair covered Wait. in ashes, and you'll just see a foot off to the side with the Should shoe still on. SHC? What'd I say? HSC. Sorry. Human spontaneous combustion. Fuck you. I think it's I think you said it that way like every time. Fuck off. No, I didn't. Because I read it most of the time. SHC. Uh anyways, but if you Google that, you'll see the picture that is the most one of the most famous pictures of an example. Gotcha. And you just see like her foot off to the side. Right. But everything else just charred. Yeah, because right. the, the time frame on that doesn't add up. It should have taken way longer yeah. for her to be completely engulfed in flames. It, again, at least without an accelerant. Um, but this one, did it say anything about the wicking effect on this no. one? I didn't think so. So, I mean, it could be the result of that, but. Uh, uh, the amazing part of the incidents, in my opinion, says Meslin, is the time element. Meslin said that the grand granddaughter made the fire alarm call within three minutes of having last spoken to her grandmother. That meant Mrs. Conway was alive at 842 a.m. The firemen arrived to find her remains at 8.46 a.m. Oh, here we go. Once again, the wick effect Ah, can be completely ruled out. It is absolutely inexplicable that the makers of the BBC TV QED film should have stated that the cause of the fire is known when they must have also known that the fire that consumed Helen Conway did so in a time interval of not not more than 20 minutes and not less than six. The filmmaker's own experiment showed them conclusively that the wick effect would have taken a minimum of seven hours to consume Mrs. Conway. This comes from the Sydney Daily Telegraph, uh, Brisbane Courier Mail Mail on April 9th, and the South China Morning Post, April 10th, 1999. You said uh, Brisbane? Sydney, Brisbane, and South China. Okay, yeah, so I definitely, if this happened in Australia, then I believe anything. (laughs) 
possibly the most recent case, obviously not true because we've already read one more recent, uh, where a victim has caught fire, lived for a short time, and lived for a short time, and where the event was witnessed by more than one person happened on August 24th, 1998 in Sydney, Australia. Jackie Park collected her mother, Agnes Phillips, from a nursing home in a Sydney suburb. I love collected. Yeah. Her on, mother. On this day. <laughs> like like a Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Mrs. Park, gotcha, Mom. <laughs> Mrs. Park liked to take her mother and Alzheimer's sufferer out for the day. About an hour later, she parked in front of the four square store in Balgawine road, uh, and left her mother asleep in the car where she went to the, s- while she went to the shop. Sorry, minor correction. That's Balgawine. Balgawine. Sorry. No, I'm just saying it with an oh. obnoxious American Australian accent. I see Balgawine. Uh, oh, wait. Balgawine. Sorry, Balgowney. Yeah, I'm not even going to attempt that one with the accent. Balgowney. Balgowney. Welcome yeah. to Balgowney Road, mate. Uh, we're going to leave your mother here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> minutes later, Mrs. Park saw smoke coming from the car, followed by an explosion of flames and ran back. A passerby, Bradley Silva, managed to drag Mrs. Phillips from the car and put out the flames. The old lady was reported as remaining remarkably calm throughout the ordeal, only muttering, that's too hot, it's too hot, as her daughter <laughs> held her at the side of the road. That's Australian. That, you burst into flames. That's bloody hot. That's more, that's more cockney. All right, sorry. What do you want me to do? Fuck you. That, the Aussies get real mad about that shit. <laughs> All right, sorry. Apologize to the Bogans. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you really want me to insult you, that's not a knife. <laughs> that's a knife. All right. So, uh, Miss Phillips, <laughs> Mrs. Phillips suffered burns to her chest, abdomen, neck, arms, and legs that were described as severe and extreme. She was taken to hospital where she died just over a week later. Can I ask you a question? Because it's bugging the piss out of me. Yeah. Are you going to talk about taken to hospital instead of taken to the hospital? Yeah. Why do the English do that? I don't know. I think about it. Every day of my life. I mean, even pe- I'm getting casual conversation. Go, go like, to university, yeah. not to a university. Or the university. It's go to university or I'm going to take when, you when to hospital. When I was going to uni. Yeah. I'm take you to hospital. Go, go to hospital. The. Did they not, the. Is they the an like, American word? Yes. Yes. Uh, purely American. It only yeah. exists. Because we're the United States of America. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the, why. Yeah. It's, it's an act of rebellion on their part. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was an act of rebellion on our part. Oh, yeah. We're going to invent a word. I've uh, done it before. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she was taken to hospital <laughs> where she died just over a week later. At the inquest in April of 1999, New South Wales Fire Brigade Inspector Donald Walshy uh, said he could not determine where the fire originated. Why, Donald? Yep. The car engine was not running. There was no trace of liquid accelerants and no faulty wiring. Neither Mrs. Phillips nor Mrs. Park were smokers, and the maximum temperature. Oh, ah, and, I already know. And the maximum temperature in Wollongong on that day was of the fire was 16 degrees Celsius. Oh, the coroner recorded an open verdict. I thought you were going to say the maximum temperature for something else was 420 degrees. No, no, no it's just the I'm fact just it was a fucking loser. Wollongong. <laughs> I love these Australian names. Wollongong. Welcome to Wollongong, mate. Uh, <laughs> Our two Australian listeners are like these fucking no, guys. We're actually pretty big in Australia. Really? Yeah, it's like one of our top five listening 
It's because we're crass and annoying. Probably. <laughs> uh, Inspector Walshy illogically commented that spontaneous human combustion was ruled out because of because of evidence from previous cases and experience over the years. This fire took place over a very short period of time, and it does not, and it does take a lot of time. I just did it again. A lot of time for that scenario <laughs> to take place. It watched them drop to our bottom five listed <laughs> countries. <laughs> fucker he's not pronouncing his t's like he's supposed to that's at the same time though next time you're interacting with an australian man in any context yeah ask them to do an american accent for oh you. i know they cannot well i don't know there's a lot of actors and actresses that i know i feel that like are it's australian. easier to go to an american accent yeah. from others because it's it really just a lack of accent for the most part we'll see but we think that yeah, yeah. i'll but never the, I'll never forget. Um, we had there was an in my hometown there was an Irish bar, yeah, called Molly McHugh's. and uh, got the Emerald Goat, but that's not a real Irish pub. Yeah, and O'Kane's is gone now, right? Yeah, I think so. But uh, my friend, when he got drunk, he was an obnoxious drunk, relatable. And no, 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 he oh, was God. an obnoxious, like I don't care who I piss off type of drunk. And, oh, okay, no, yeah. So, yeah. like, my best friend in high school. Yeah, and I was never, still am not, a huge drinker. Right. So I would just be the de- designated driver all the time. Oh, God, so you had to be the only sober person dealing yes. with an obnoxious drunk. And this, we went to Molly McHugh's one night, and he got drunk. We're in an Irish bar. Oh, God, like a proper Irish yes. bar. Oh, and fuck. this fucker started shouting, God save the queen. Oh no! Yeah. Uh huh. Oh no! We were getting so many looks from the the the, the staff, yeah. and I was like, "We got to get the fuck out of here because they are about to kill us." And as we're leaving, he's like, "God save the queen!" I was like, "You fucker!" Uh, another just a little fun Irish bit when uh, my grandmother on my dad. Of course, actually, my stepdad is not my real dad. My real dad did the whole milk thing, never came back. Gotcha. Um, my stepdad, when we were living out in Colorado with uh, his mom and grandma, they had one of my favorite like kitchen hangings that I've ever seen. It was above the trash can, and it said, uh, keep Ireland tidy. Throw your rubbish in England. <laughs> and I love it so much. I think about it pretty regularly. I want one, actually. Um. So yeah, he he said all that. The fire took place over a short period of time and does not does and it does take a lot of time for that scenario to take place. Now presumably Inspector Walsh was thinking of the wick effect, which does indeed take many hours, but Mr. Phillips, but Mrs. Phillips, like the other victims described here, caught fire and burned in a matter of minutes, not the hours required for the wick effect. Right. Now that's the most mysterious part about this is how quickly she burned up. Yeah. That's pretty nuts. So uh, this comes from the Dallas Morning News, October 24th, 1964, uh, and Mysteries of the Unexplained, Reader's Digest of 1982. And also, Larry Arnold's ablaze! <laughs> On October 16th, 1964. He, he, really, he was comprehensive. Oh, he was. He got every story, every story yeah. of spontaneous human combustion. It's like the guy who wrote our urban legends book, except it was just spontaneous human combustion. He yeah. Got every story, <laughs> every story. 
<laughs> on October 16th, 1964, Mrs. Olga Worth Stevens, age 75, was driven into Dallas, Texas. O- Olga Worth is Olga, her first name? No. Oh, okay. Olga Worth, Worth Stevens. Stevens. Okay. Uh, was driven into Dallas uh, by her nephew. Her nephew parked the car and went to buy a cold drink, leaving his aunt in the car. A few minutes later, Mrs. Stevens burst into flames. She was pulled from the car, badly burned, and taken to hospital, where she died eight days later. So the book, this this whole thing that you're reading from it, was yeah. written by an and, English. Yeah, I, I guess friggin' uh, what's his name? Larry Arnold must be yeah. British. Uh, she was pulled from the car, badly burned, and taken to the hospital where she died eight <laughs> days later according to dallas morning news somewhere is seething <laughs> <laughs> uh according to dallas morning news reporting her death she was treated for burns received in mysterious circumstances homicide detectives and firemen investigated the incident and found that the car itself had not burnt only mrs stevens they also found no evidence of combustible materials in the car and ruled out the somewhat bizarre possibilities of suicide by self-immolation and here's the last one. Uh, and not, amazingly enough, from not Tom Arnold, Larry Arnold. Oh, no. Ablaze. He missed this one? He missed this one. Larry. This came, this came from the San Antonio newspaper, The Light, on November 16th, 1980, and was repeated again in Colin Wilson's The Encyclopedia of Unsolved. This must, like, not have any merit. For yeah. re- like, for real, even <laughs> compared to the rest of them, this must have no merit if Larry missed it. I know, I know Larry. Larry would have gotten it. Yeah. <laughs> On October 9th, 19... He misses all the thes, so... <laughs> there, there must be a the somewhere in the story, and he was like, oh, that's rubbish. I'm not writing. Uh, On October 9th, 1980, uh, Gianna, Gianna Winchester, a naval airwoman, burst into flames while sitting on a car uh, next to Leslie Scott, a friend. Uh, they were driving along Seaboard Avenue in Jacksonville, Florida. Oh, shit. That's why he didn't write about it. He was like, oh, I can't write anything about Jacksonville. That's fucking, bad juju. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when flames suddenly appeared around Winchester, who screamed, get me out of here. Scott tried to beat out the flames with her hands, oh, and shit. the car ran into a telephone pole. Mrs. Winchester was taken to, oh, Apparently, the article I pulled these from was British because it says Mrs. Winchester was taken to hospital and survived the experience. Fuck it. They were taken to hospital and survived the survived experience. Although 20% of her body was covered by burns com- uh, comprising her right shoulder and arm, neck, side, and back. Police patrolman T.G. Hendricks, who investigated, said he found no spilled petrol petrol or other accelerant <laughs> in the car the white yeah, leather definitely english yeah the white leather she was sitting on was uh, a little browned <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure i'd brown the white leather too if i caught on fire suddenly 100 oh, <laughs> percent. not even just from the people juices yeah well well one of many well, people juices <laughs> Uh, so the white leather she was sitting on was a little brown and the door panel had a little black on it. Otherwise, there was no fire damage. Miss Winchester told the local newspaper that she couldn't remember anything between riding uneventfully in the car and waking up in the hospital. <laughs> At first, I thought there had to be a logical explanation, she said, but I couldn't find any. I wasn't smoking anything. The window was up, so somebody couldn't have thrown anything in. The car didn't burn. I finally thought about spontaneous human combustion when I couldn't find anything else. Which, 
is the valid way to come to a ridiculous conclusion exactly. like spontaneous human combustion. She yeah. at least ran through a checklist of like what it could have been before she yeah. decided, yeah, I think it was spontaneous human combustion. You don't automatically go to that. I bet Larry does. Like oh, I'm every sure time Larry he hears does. about someone catching on fire, he's like, oh, I got to write another book. Because let's talk about it. it was in October yeah. in Florida. Lower humidity, maybe back in the 80s, possibly. She could have had any like a spark. Yeah. Like a static electricity spark or something. God knows what kind of fabric she was wearing. In exactly. The 80s. In the 80s. Yeah. I'm sure it was nylon. Probably. And they were driving with white leather. So, you know, they had some kind of like uh lack of taste yeah so, so it probably was nylon <laughs> probably that's the canon yep that's this is in my book um so that takes us out of the 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 main story um we learned a lot today yeah i actually i learned a bit more about flammability yeah than i thought i would i know i had heard of the wicking effect before but i had never understood it yeah i didn't i didn't actually have like any kind of tangible grasp on the the wicking effect yeah you gotta stop leaving your hats here i know i know trust <laughs> me i know i also left my bottles i do apologize about that i don't know why i was in a hurry to leave last week but i was in a hurry to leave last week or the week before did we record last week fuck it's all blurring together now. yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a long couple months it has it has been and I think for all of us for different reasons. Yeah. 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 But we're at the other side now. Yeah. And we're, we've gotten just very recently, like such a big outpouring of support from yeah. new, new faces in the, in the community that I had not seen up until recently, uh, commenting and suggesting things. Yeah. Um, new patrons we've got new patrons we're going to shout out here in just a minute yeah um i'm giving don time to google them <laughs> not that we don't know your names just it again no, I, have, it's been, I, I tattoo all of your names on my left ass cheek he has uh but i won't look at it so yeah nobody will i keep trying um, he won't open texts from me anymore because he knows they're just a picture of mm-hmm. all of our patrons names on my left ass cheek yeah He's going to try to get him to the point where he's uh, just covered in tats. Yeah, well, I'm going to have to move on to the right ass cheek eventually. And... <laughs> but um... left ass cheek's my favorite, and that's why the first patrons go there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and with that, everything I was about to say is just <laughs> gone. Um, we are talking about a couple of ideas for other... Not necessarily full shows. No, little side episodes. Little side episodes like this. Ideas about. Um, yeah. So maybe we'll throw them out right now. Sorry, Just and um, with me, Don. see what you guys uh, think. Uh, <laughs> one thing we've talked about is like today. Well, this past midweek, and it's not going to be this past midweek. It'll be two weeks. Fuck it. Um, it's all in a weird order. Yeah, because we record midweeks the week before, but our episode, our main episodes, are like two weeks out. Just don't try. Um, don't try to understand it. We, we should catch that up at some point. So it makes more. Yeah, sense. we should. Um, cause now my whole thing that I was talking about with the midweek actually earlier doesn't make any sense. No, but anyways, we'll, we'll get there someday. Yeah. One day at a time, dear people just leave us the fuck alone. Um, 
Sorry. No, though, we really appreciate yes. all of the yes. extra recent support that we've gotten. I, I wanted to really drill that home. It's people. We, we see you guys and we appreciate. Yes. You. People are starting to to send us their local uh, legends and we really appreciate that. And one thing we've thought about doing is actually doing um, another type of midweek episode. In addition to this, we are the regular midweeks. We wouldn't like trade one for the other yeah it would be they they may be interchangeable though maybe we'll see see. yeah we're working on that uh but uh a show called hometown haints uh yes i said haints because i like saying that more than haunts hometown haunts is boring hometown haints sounds better and what we would do with that show is we'd actually talk about the more localized urban legends that may be in your hometown such as we had one uh person tell us that there's apparently another devil tree yeah uh in new jersey so we would research that and we would tell the stories again just briefly you know one or two a week nothing massive yeah unless there is a massive story behind those stories and then those would become main episodes but Mm -hmm. we would we would call out your names and let you know yeah just to acknowledge that like we appreciate you you know there is no shortage of content Exactly. For, for the uh, the genre that we have here. But we still appreciate when the content gets handed to us rather than us having to find yeah. it ourselves. <laughs> the hardest part is finding urban legends to tie in with the main stories. Yeah. That's where, because I don't know if you people realize this or not, but the urban legends are kind of the uh, MacGuffin to get us into the true crime stories. Right. So um, sometimes we got to. We got to really, we got to stretch. Yeah, we got to stretch and we got to cram things to make them fit we've and been playing it a little more fast and loose with that rule lately yeah but i feel like it's given way to some yeah. more interesting stories yeah but again like this week's episode with the spontaneous human combustions this will be a campfire story that's just a straight up we just tell the story yeah and if we can't find anything to fit it'll be a campfire story yep uh so if you're interested in those ideas and it's weird that we're saying this because it'll be two weeks before you guys hear this um let us know. And yeah. if that's the content that interests you, if you want to get a little bit darker, or you have some hometown stories that you would like to tell, definitely hit us up and let us know. We're always trying to make this show better. Yeah. Um, and uh, we have gotten some big progress towards making the show better. Um, this week, specifically yes. today, we unboxed these brand new, beautiful microphones that he's already jizzed over at the yeah, beginning. Yeah, no, I, it's, I can't stop. <laughs> I can't stop. Won't stop. Yes, it's they're so beautiful. I already put a two towns over sticker. Yeah, on my microphone and which, spent fifteen minutes of me talking trying to get the perfect selfie. I guess I did want it. to take a selfie with the sticker <laughs> on the microphone. Yes, I did. I did. I did. Yeah. Um, I didn't get a good one, by the way. You did not? I did not, no. Oh, well. No, I'm ugly. <laughs> but I'm not an animal. So I'm a podcaster. <laughs> we do have, um, yeah, a little sneak peek. We, because of all of the beautiful, lovely, incredible patrons that we've had so far, um, as well as uh, a currently we're calling anonymous donation yes. from a listener, Um we are finally able to finance the production of some merch that we'll be happy putting out to you guys. One of which was stickers, which we have 200 of which right now. But those will be more used for the street team. Yes, we, we have a, we have a specific plan for them, which I don't know if we want to 
I mean, we can. Yeah. So we're we're thinking. Um, no, because I don't want to put out the call yet. You know. Okay. Then just well, I can edit this out. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll figure out the logistics yeah. of sending out the stickers yeah. and everything. But we're trying to work on not just um, merch for perch, <laughs> um, but uh, some other merchandise for maybe some patrons. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, we want to just send you guys some merch when we can, once we're able to, which should at this point be sooner than later. Yeah. We want to just send out some merch to the patrons, like the first run of merch. Uh, we want just to go to the patrons as a... Thank you. Not not big enough, but incredibly big thanks um, right. for being such early supporters. You know, again, hopefully our audio quality is better this week as a result of the new microphones, but we are still figuring out the levels on them. So if this sounded worse, sorry, thanks for still being here, <laughs> but it, sh- it should sound pretty good. We've got a couple more equipment upgrades slated yeah um, they're they're wish listed yeah <laughs> so again and if you decide to to, to patronize us i got it right this time yeah. it's uh pay, patreon.com slash two towns over and again right now we are not taking any money for ourselves for ourselves we, uh, as of right now as in when we're recording this episode, we have not drawn, you know, a single any kind of paycheck right. out of this at all. It's we're essentially we're, we are not for profit at the moment. Right. Everything is still going right back into the content creation because we're not going to be paying ourselves until we get to a point where we can't think of anything else that we need to upgrade right. quality wise. Exactly. So everything right now, if you decide to to patronize us, everything goes back to making the show better. Yes, um, for you. More, yeah, for you, and um, and because we like it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so on that note, let's shout out our patrons. Everybody our, the so ones, far, we are getting close to the point where we might not be able yeah. to do everybody every episode anymore. Yeah, I know. So uh, we've got again, as always. Perfect. All right, so here are our. Our 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 patrons. Here's our patrons. As always, the the OG Muddy Blairy. We got our ride or die, Katie Reitzel. First patron. Our, Shout out Muddy Blairy. Yep. Uh, Amanda Galili, uh, Jonathan Brada, Carly name last name redacted, Whitney Ketchum, Erica Ingold, John D, Luis Navidad. Love the puns. Yes. Please give us more puns. Uh, and Pat, Beth Lawrence and Pat Zabrowski. And our latest, we have Amy Rennie. Brand new patrons. Yes. Gina Arnold and Jordan Whitley. Let's go. Or Whiteley. No, it's Whitley. Sorry. Jordan Whitley. <laughs> <It's> the, <laughs> no, we don't, we don't need another Amanda. <laughs> Amanda's already got this. <laughs> my brain my brain my brain reversed the the l and the e at first so it looked like whitely but it's whitley i'm sorry if you've listened to us before you know we get names wrong we're always striving to get them right we love names yes so thank you all thank for you supporting all us so much yes you are not yet supporting us but you yes. are supporting the, the show. show yes it's um brought to you by viewers like all of the names that we just listed they are the ones who have been able to, you know, supply like once once we have merch out, the patrons are going to get it first because they're the ones who have funded its creation. Right. And then uh, eventually get on that list. Of patrons, I just read them out. 
I no, I yeah, like get on that list. So oh, get, I thought you said and on that list. I was like, motherfucker, where were you? It was thirty <laughs> seconds ago. I just read it. I'm not actually here, Don. <laughs> you do this podcast alone. You just do my voice. There you go. Yes. <laughs> Yes, this whole show is brought to you by the voices in my head. (laughs) And Ruben was just not, I couldn't do his voice today. I'm sorry. I did get you a fuck off, (laughs) but uh, I don't need anyone to gargle my nuts. Um, So as always, follow us on, on that note, on (laughs) facebook.com forward slash TTO pod. Which is the best place to get in touch with us, to suggest the things. Um, should we give out the the email for suggestions as well? Uh, I mean, sure. Uh, yeah, it's rdj two towns over all one word at yeah. gmail.com. Yes, and it's rdj because it's Ruben, Don, and Josh. We're not trying to steal from Robert Downey Jr. No, Robert Downey Jr. fully endorses this show. Exactly. In fact, uh, we have the Iron Man seal of yes. approval. Here, here he is now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I love the show. I love the show, guys. I think the show is great. Not as great as me, but great. <laughs> I'm going to make it a thing to start doing voices on this damn yeah. show. <laughs> well, I need Ruben to do more of them, I know. Too. But the problem is, is he's not in the position to do the voices. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. You just so, need to slide him the script yeah. for some of them. <laughs> just hand them to him and say, when I point to you, read this. Yeah. I need you to read this as Elvis, please. <laughs> read it with whatever voice you want. It's actually an Englishman from the 1600s, but you can pick whatever voice you want. Read him as. <laughs> read him as Monkey D. Luffy. <laughs> or the creepy water park guy who was actually SCP Pete. <gasps> yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. That's a big review. No, SCP Pete wouldn't have done something. No, like he that. wouldn't have done that. Me. No, he was warning. Didn't he warn him? No, he's the one that did it. Oh. He he said you should go on the water slide. You should first. go on the water slide. Yeah. Okay. Oh well. Yeah. No, that was that was like if Sassafras Charlie took over. I don't know if this is for sure though. I don't have the connection with SCP Pete that Ruben does, so we'll have either. to verify it. But we can't get him to talk about it except suddenly out of nowhere. <laughs> you'd be like, Oh, that was SCP Pete. That's, that's where he gets his like signals yeah. from Peter. Yeah. SCP Pete talks to him. We miss Ruben today. We do. We do. The energy is definitely off. Hopefully we did this we did as best we could. I think it was fun. I did I my job. Fun. It's all resting on Josh's shoulders. Yeah, I did what I do every week. I'm exhausted. So if if it sucks, it was all Josh this week. That's so fair. It is. Because <laughs> literally my job's come in to read. Um but uh on that note, uh we're gonna wrap this up and uh so we will see you guys on down the road. We and will we just wanted to give our normal shout out of fuck cancer. Fuck cancer. Be good to yourselves. Be guys. good to yourselves. Bye. Bye bye.